We're in kind of week three of this, se- this series about Ebenezer. But before we get to there, I, w- I want to tell you what happened here yesterday. Um, see, our youth group was part of simulcast, and, and there's over 2,000 youth groups from all over the world who took part in this, and it happened at the same exact time. All over the world, youth, youth groups come together and, and took part in this simulcast. It was from 11 yesterday morning until about 7.30 last night. And so we had about uh, 25 or so kids, about 10 adults that were a part of it, and it was fabulous. Um, We come together for a time of worship, and they had their worship thing that was streamed online. We hit mute and let our youth band play, which was a good, it was a good call. (laughs) Um, Their band has sold thousands and millions of albums, but our guys are good, you know. so we had teaching that was, like I say, a simulcast live from Denver, Colorado. And so we were uh, uh, learning about the gospel and the implications that it has on our life, but not just on our life, but on our community uh, and, and how, how uh, effective methods to go share the gospel. Um, one of the things they did was they would ask them deep personal questions and they'd give them a minute to reflect and then they would say, now turn to the person beside of you and tell them. Right? There's something about saying it out loud. They'd also pair share, which means they would share the gospel with each other, and one would act like they're not a Christian, and they would you know, give them different scenarios, and, and they practiced that. And, and then there was a challenge for them to send a message or a video or something to a friend um, to inspire them to live into the gospel truth. Talk about Vulnerability. We went, they gave us a time of outreach. So we went to the market and they sorted clothes and they priced things and they put it out, got them ready to sell. You know, they worked in this room uh, for, for about an hour or so and they got a whole lot accomplished there. They also cleaned. Yeah, those boys are cleaning, doing dishes. So parents take a picture, they can do it. But they cleaned in the kitchen and they did a whole lot there. They put together the free lunches that they're gonna be giving out on Tuesday. Uh, I think 80 free lunches they bagged up and got them got ready. Also, a little uh, promo for the free lunches. If you'd like to help sponsor those, there's a white box back there, or you can write on your check free lunch and, and help pay for those. They give them out every Tuesday. So, uh, but they got to put them together and experience and pray over those bags. In fact, Audrey wrote little notes that went down into each one of them. Uh, the young girl right there in the middle. Uh, wrote, wrote personal notes and, and we put down in each one of them. So uh, that was good. They met this guy named Philip who's been cooking there on Saturdays. And Philip got to tell him his testimony. And he gets to this one part where he really realizes that God's at work. You know, he's telling him, God's at work in my life. And I knew it in this moment. And he has tears just coming down his face. And those boys were glued in as if they were four years old. And their grandfather was just spinning this fable. Uh, I, I think... Three or four of them that stood there the whole time would talk about that for years. We bought hot chocolate for everybody on 2nd Street. Delivered it and told them about Jesus. We made some gift bags. Filled them full of candy and chips and just different things. We took one set to the police station. Rung their doorbell. Surprised them. Don't ever do that. Let them know you're coming. That's all I'm going to say. But they come out, you know, and we had these two big gift bags full of candy and different things. And uh, um, 
the kids were able to tell them about how Jesus sacrificed his life for ours and how they kind of do the same thing each and every day and that that saving grace is available to them just like it's available to us. And then they prayed over it. Collier was the one who spoke there, and it was awesome. Took some to the fire department. They're not as jumpy. <laughs> but then Carson got to share with them how proud of what they do and we, we, we uh, you know we're so thankful that they're out there putting their life on the line and we got to pray over them and give them uh, you know some two big bags of things and, and it was just a great day and let me tell you you hear grim things about this generation man I have to go look for that I got to see this a lot and so it was a great day and that kind of leads into our story that we're going to be talking about today. And it's uh, the third part of this Ebenezer series, these stones. And it's been funny because on Wednesday night, a lot of kids come running through and they get to say, what are these stones about? And I get to tell them the stories that we've been talking about. But I hope that you've been challenged and encouraged and inspired to remember what God has done and how far he has brought you. We're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 4. And, and this is kind of a, a familiar story, and, and we're going to pick up kind of over in it. Um, but the children of Israel had crossed over the Jordan River. They've left the wilderness, and they've entered into the promised land. And I imagine after 40 years of just wandering, uh, and, and they come to this victory, they probably celebrated a little bit. They probably, probably had excitement. They probably shouts of hallelujah, shouts of glory, shouts of victory. It had been 40 years, and they'd been wandering around thinking about this land that had been promised to them, dreaming about this land, thinking about this land, talking about this land, and now they're here. They're in the land. So as soon as they cross over, God tells them something specific to do not just set up camp and start taking over the land, but, but to set up an interesting memorial, this set of stones. And there's actually two sets of stones. Uh, one set of stones is for this generation so they could remember what God had done for them. And the other is for the next generation there, or generations to come so that they may wonder, they may ask questions and learn. So you see... Our story today is going to be about discipleship. And I know there's a lot, like we're going to look at verses 1 through 24, and that's a whole lot of verses, but I had an old preacher tell me one time, if you just stood up there and read the Bible for 30 minutes, that's a good sermon. So we're going to look at 24 verses, and I know there's a lot we can pull from it, but at the core of this story, we're going to talk about discipleship. And when I say that, a lot of people often think about discipleship as what can I grow from, what can I learn from it. But then there's a second, and, it's, and it is that, but there's a second component to that that is transferable, that we're to give away, that we're supposed to pass on, we're supposed to instruct the next generation. See, in our world, we're, we're pushed and, and we feel like that, that, that the whole world's telling us that we need to gather up our own trophies. And there's a place for that. Um, but it's our job to encourage the next generation to get their own trophies and discover their own faith in God and not just try to ride on the backs of the faith uh, of the generations that are. Like whenever I would go to the Dominican and, and we would talk to people, I would ask them, I would say, are you a Christian? And they say, I was born a Catholic. 
You know? So I was born a Catholic. I'm like, well, that don't answer my question. You know? And so they thought you were born into the faith. You didn't have to, there was no belief, there was no faith to it. You were just born. That's just what you were. I was born an American. You know? And so they, they kind of felt that as their faith, and that it, that's not right. This generation needs discipleship. They need to know that the same saving power and grace and miracles that God has given us, that he is more than willing to turn over to them too. Because let me tell you, the single best way to fix a broken culture is to teach them about Jesus. So we're going to pick up our story, Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each of the tribes, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you'll stay tonight. So the entire nation had crossed the Jordan. You ever been on a trip with a lot of people? I ain't talking about six. I'm talking like 12, 15, 50, right? Some of you are feeling, I, mean, I can see you smiling. You know what I'm about to say. Like when you go, you got this one person who always gets lost. You got one person, you give them four days notice, they're late. And, and, and so uh, uh, you have to just go out in the car and wait on them. Don't do that. It's a pressure cooker. You have four arguments with them before they even get there, and they show up blindsided, you know, and you're... <sighs> but anyway, it's hard to do. If none of that rang a bell to you, you're the person that's late. <laughs> Just throw that out there. But in this story, estimates are always right around 2 million people who were in this nation and crossed that river. That's a lot of people. It, com it comes from Numbers 2651, and it says there was 601,730 Israelite men over 20. So it doesn't count the non-Jews. It doesn't count uh, the ones under 20. It doesn't count the children. It doesn't count the women. And so estimates are, are always right about some of the higher ones hit about 3 million. But, but, so imagine 2 million people. Some are going to be elderly. There's going to be children. There's going to be infants. They've got to bring their things. It's not like they just run across, you know. It took a while. But God gave them specific instructions on what to do. He said, I want you to build this thing so that you will remember what happened here and who done it. He was saying, I don't want you to think that you got here by your power and might. I want you to remember the only reason you're here is because I made a way. So Joshua, he calls together these leaders. Joshua called together the leaders, uh, or called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. So it wasn't just a little stone they were carrying over. I mean, they had to put it, hoist it and carry it. These are big rocks. 
In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial of the people of Israel forever. So I think about that. And just think about the time it took for them to cross and, and all that. This is a true mighty act of God. And so the closer we look at the symbols um, that, that, that it represented, it, it consists of 12 stones. Um, one for each of the tribes of Israel. So this stood for unity of the nation of Israel and the participation of everyone in the miracle of God. Not just the priest, not just the men, everyone. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 12, you know, right? Many parts, one body. We've, we've heard that, right? The head don't tell the feet, I don't need you, right? It's just like the things that happen here. They can't happen if we all aren't together. Like we move together. And that's what happens here, showing the unity of that. So the stones are taken from the middle of the Jordan where the priests had firmly stood with the Ark of the Covenant. So when the people passed by the Ark of the Covenant, uh, they were reminded of God's promises. They were also they were reminded of Passover because they were passing over this river. Um, and so they selected the stones from this location, and it's going to remind them that God's mighty power held back these waters so that this would show uh, the participation of all of God's people, not just the priest, right? Because in the Old Testament, they had to come to the priest, and he would go to God. But this miracle was for everybody. Think about our symbols that inspire us today in church um, or just in Christianity, you know, the cross. Jerry's talked about these. And we have the cross, which is the, probably the biggest. Um, it reminds us of the complete work of Jesus Christ, how God sacrificed his son to give us the opportunity to enter into a right relationship with him. Communion, we did that a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, it symbolizes the substitution of Christ as an offering for our sin. Right? Uh, the bread is his body and it's broken for us. The cup represents his blood that was shared for you. And then when it, the first institution of communion, he's in this upper room with his disciples and they do this and, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. So it's, see, we're to remember. And then late, here, here after a while, we're going to have a baptism and that's, that's, that's an awesome symbol. It's an awesome reminder. Um, it's a public act of commitment to Christ, and it symbolizes the dying to a worldly self and the raising up in a new life in Jesus Christ, you know, washing away that, that old and coming into a new. Symbols are so important. But, but here he says exactly what the heart is behind it. And let me say this. So when the kids come down and they're here for the baptism and they're standing around, I get you can't see. I'm usually back there with you. You know what I mean? And so I understand you can't see. But what happens is the heart behind why we do that and these rocks is so that they will ask questions. This pile of stones that they had made is for passing the baton of faith from one generation to the next. So God told them to build this memorial so that they wouldn't forget. He knows we're forgetful. 
mean, he knows it, right? I went to the store last week, had four things on a written list, forgot one of them. My wife couldn't believe it. She did believe it. But we forget things. We forget birthdays, anniversaries, parties, appointments. Uh, I know somebody who forgot to pick their kid up after school one time. I don't know what they were thinking. They dropped them off that morning. Like, you got to go back. But let me tell you this. Of all the things that we forget, God shouldn't be one of them. But sometimes we look around the world and we feel like that's exactly what's happened. So I want to pick back up in our story, Right? So, God, so, so Joshua had told the representatives exactly what, they, what to do, and they did it. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they would put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. And so when this book of Joshua was written, which was a long time after these stones were built, um, it was still there. The, The memorial was still there. These rocks, they pointed to a success that God had had been God's will for decades. I mean, for 40 years, he had promised that they would cross this into the Jordan land. You know, they, they marked a transition. The Israelites, they had left behind this wandering in this desert, and they were moving into something new and living into a promise that God had made them, and they, God didn't want them to forget. Listen. I know transitions can be hard. I know they can, so I understand their celebration when they get to the other side. When you make it through a transition, there is call for celebration. It's important to recall these defining moments, those times when God calls us into something new, and we do it because it's our willingness and his power There's no end to the opportunities that could unfold. Now, I've talked about this a few times, and you're probably going to get sick of hearing about it because I'm I'm, I'm constantly going to talk about this. I'm going to set my red shoes. Um, I don't want you to miss this because a few years ago, a friend of ours um, introduced me to this concept of these red shoes. Um, They're to remind me of the blood of Jesus and what he's done for me. But it don't stop there. It's also a motivator for me to share the gospel with the people that I'm around every chance I get. But it don't stop there. Because we have a slogan in our ministry. And it's whatever it takes. Every team, everywhere, hearing the gospel from a friend. Whatever it takes. I don't know if you know this. But the 1st of November, a year ago, God moved me into something new. And I made a promise that whatever I did, that that I would do whatever it takes to reach more and more people with the gospel. I made a promise that I would train and equip more and more people to go share their faith. I made a promise that I would do whatever it takes so, so, so people could come to this new faith in Jesus Christ. I would do whatever it takes. So I find myself here today pointing at that cross as hard as I can, saying, come 
run. See what this man who saved me can do for you. So when you see me with my red shoes on, you know God's stirring a little something up. Now the priest who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people heard over, and as soon as all of them had crossed the ark, the ark of the Lord and the priest came to the other side while people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crawled over ready for battle in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. They knew it was still going to be hard. I mean, they knew, you know, God doesn't promise us comfort and ease. He promises something new. And so they knew that it was still going to be hard. That day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. See, whenever they have this success, see, okay, so he followed Moses. Can you imagine that, being the leader after Moses? So that you, you know people were saying, well, Moses, he was good, you know, and now we'll see what he's going to do. So whenever he had this success, it gave him greater influence in the lives of the people. He had been in the shadow of Moses for so long. But when he crossed the Jordan, it gave him a new respect. So Joshua had been a strong, courageous leader, fulfilling the role to move the people of God forward. So God exalts him. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant Law to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, come up out of the Jordan. And the priest came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage just as before. So it's flood stage. I mean, it's flood season. Um, the river was huge. There's skeptics that say uh, that they found this little small place where they had crossed and, and everything, but this clearly points out that it was flooding. God didn't just stop a river. Um, it was a flooding river. And they walked across on dry ground. It wasn't muddy. wasn't anything. Because if it's muddy, you know, like whenever I was young, we'd run back and forth through a mud hole. It'd just get messier, Right? Wasn't that because, like I say, there's two million people had to cross. And not just them, they had their things. Probably had wheelbarrows full of things, horses that would cross with them. And so yeah, God knew, I have to make this perfect. And he did. God does some of his best work in flood season. When the water's too high, the problems are too bad, the needs are too great. And it's beyond anything that we could ever do. He does that so that we can see the power of God and not the power of me. So this situation is a lot like the Red Sea. You know, they had deep water on one side, an army coming up the back, you know. And it was looking grim, but God steps in. So if you find yourself in flood season, you know, where the waters of life are just coming up, 
You feel like there's no hope. Might not be as bad as it looks. God may be lining you up to show you how mighty he really is. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones that they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. It is so important that we tell our kids. And I ain't just talking about your biological kids. I'm talking about the kids that you come in contact with. And let me tell you, when you're my age, kids have a different age. They get to be a little older. I look back here and there's a whole row of kids. Right? And I love it. But we can't forget to tell them. It's so important that we tell them about what God has done for us. Not just stories in the Bible, but what God has done for us so that they may know that they're living into the blessing of a past. But also that same blessing is available today. I love that last week that Jared told the story of this church because for a lot of us, we just showed up and here it is. We didn't know what it took to get here. And so those pictures are reminders of what it took. And so now we know that God blessed us this far. Imagine where we're going. I can't say enough how important it is to share your testimony with people. The world is going to scream their message to, to them, to, you, to our kids. The world's telling them from every angle possible, whether it be music, video, billboards, print, whatever it can, their message to them. So we need to tell them ours because if we don't give them a right view of God, then the world's going to give them a twisted perspective of what it is. You know, in Revelation 21, it says that the devil is defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. You want to know how to defeat the enemy? Tell somebody about what God has done for you. Have you told your kids about God? Have you even told them about the way that, that he led you when you couldn't take another step? Have you told them about the time um, that you didn't know where the food was going to come from? We ain't got $5 for pizza. Have you told them about the time that he carried you when you couldn't walk? But it's by God's grace he made a way. I can testify to this, and I want to tell you a story. It was, it was several years ago, and it was in the first part of February. Um, I was coaching a little league basketball team, um, and, and it was a little while till our game, and I was just sitting on the couch watching a basketball game on TV, just kind of waiting. And... Um, I was just sitting there on the couch and I started feeling bad. Uh, I felt like this before several times over the years. Um, but it wasn't this bad. It wasn't this severe. I mean, I was sweating. 
and I felt like I was going to pass out. So in my mind, I started thinking, well, I didn't sleep good last night. You know, maybe I just need to rest a little. Or maybe my blood sugar's low, you know. Maybe it's something like that. I'm, I'm, I'll probably be okay. I'm young. I'm in decent shape. This was years ago. But I was sitting there and I was thinking, what could it be? I give it a little time. I thought it would pass. It didn't. It simply got worse. And so I went and got my wife and she came and she, she said, Oh my Lord, you're sweating. I said, I know. She got her stethoscope out and she put it on my chest for about two seconds maybe. She said, you're an AFib. We got to go to the hospital now. And she was pretty insistent. So this is bad. And so I got in the van. She is in the van. And so I rode. It goes down and you pull up onto to a coal run there onto the six lane. Um, and I remember being in the van and I put my hand on the window and I said, I worried about a couple of things. I wasn't worried about me, but I said, is my wife going to be okay? She's strong. She's a hard worker. She'll be fine. What about my kids? Will they be okay? Will they be all right? Did I tell them about Jesus enough? That's what was going through my heart. Not, I knew they'd be okay. They're going to grow up and they're going to do fine. But did I give them Jesus enough to where they would lean on him and, and nothing else when, when it was time? It's the first time I ever had to face my own mortality. And I remember it just like it was yesterday. Spoiler alert. I got better. But since then, my life has been different. I've had a different gear. I've had different drive. I've had a different motivation because I've had different goals. My goal isn't to gather up things. My goal is to give them something that they're going to take, not just to the next step, but forever. I'm trying to give them something that's going to give them an eternity in the arms of a man who saved me, who holds me together. I want them to hold them together. That's what I fight to give them. so I'm more intentional and now my boys are gone to college and, and I watch them be a part of college ministries Devin plays music at one I've got Abby and I go to Pike Central and she leaves the FCA she's one of the leaders of the FCA and she sings she stood here this morning and sang her heart poured her heart out for Jesus Christ trying to help you see this cross like I've tried to help her she gathers up her friends before school and they hold hands and they pray over that school every morning. And the teacher sent me a picture one time. I just mailed it. That's why I tear up whenever I think about it and I read through the Bible and I happen upon 3 John 1, 4 and I read and I go, well, I have no joy than this to hear my children are walking in the truth. And I told you about those three, but I could tell you about a thousand that I pray for every day. They just tear my heart out. So I love it when somebody sends me a picture or a live stream pops up and one of them's involved. 
I get to step into a gym and see one of them proclaim God to their friends and to their teacher. There's an old song called Find Us Faithful. May all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. God knew the stones would serve as a sign among his people for generations to come, that this monument would prompt future generations to ask questions that would provide for very teachable moments. And it didn't stop there. Many generations later, John the Baptist is in the middle of the Jordan River and he's baptizing and he's pointing to God and in verse 11 of, of Matthew 3 he says behold the Lamb of God you know and he's pointing there and we'll be back up two verses and here's what he says and do you not think you can say to yourself we have Abraham as our father but I tell you that out of these very stones God can raise up children of Abraham and one commentary says it's more than likely that he's pointing to this pile of stones that Joshua had put there. It's gener you can do something. You want to leave a legacy? Tell your kids what Jesus has done for you. It's an Ebenezer. And they were still using it many generations later. So the last verse says this. He did it so all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord, your God. So this success that Joshua had experienced, this success that Israel had experienced pointed to the power of God. And if the only thing had been was Joshua's great and Israel pulled together and they pulled this off, then it had been for nothing. Been for nothing. But when the power of God is experienced, you can feel a change. You know that there's something different that happened here. And it builds a fear of the Lord, an awesome respect for what God can really do whenever you turn it over to Him. The result is submission to God, which is being ready for what He's going to do in the next. And we realize that God's responsible for our victories. We get ready for the next chapter of what he's going to do. So maybe some of you are here this morning and, and you need to cross over a river. Uh, maybe not a physical river, but there's something that holds you back. You need to move from a life of what was to a promised land of what can be when you step into this saving grace of Jesus Christ. He offers us a free gift and he says that today is the day of salvation. And it's my hope that if you don't know that grace, that you find it today. Maybe some of you guys have crossed over and your life is completely different than it was years ago, a few years ago, or 40 years ago. Maybe you've had victories over addiction uh, or, or doubt or anxiety or self-worth and now you stand firmly on the other side. I know I do and often in the mornings I'm in the shower and I sing on Christ the solid rock I stand. Tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about how God has saved you. Before I was this, then there was God, now I'm free. Tell somebody about it. Most importantly, tell your kids. Not just the Bible stories, but say, listen, there was one time. You might not remember, but there was one time. 
so important to Joshua that we transferred our faith to others. Um, and this is a thing that he says over and over again. Flip a few pages over, Joshua chapter 24, right? Here's what he says. Maybe you've heard this. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And it was only because he told them about his faith. That's our charge as we leave here. Tell somebody. Tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. Father God, we are thankful. We're thankful for the things that you've brought us through from the past that you've saved us from, Father. We're thankful that your son Jesus Christ has made a way that he has parted that river for us to just, just march firmly through. And I pray, Father, that if there's somebody here today that don't know you, um, that they don't stop until they do. Father, I pray that you give us the boldness, the words, the courage, and the strength to be able to take those steps, to be able to, to move into the new, to be able to, to go and tell somebody about you. I pray this in your name. Amen.